Welcome to the Meet Maastricht podcast. I'm Katrina and together with our resident local Lucy, we will be exploring some of the amazing stories that make Maastricht so special. So sit back, relax and join us as we learn about our favourite Dutch city. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 11 of the Meet Maastricht podcast. Uh, How are you Lucy? Yeah, um... (laughs) bravely soldiering on in all life's vagaries as as everybody i suppose but it uh, it was another glorious day in the city as i suppose you've all seen uh, and at the same time uh, we're all praying for rain because mm. all the green brothers and sisters are thirsty so i will uh, i will be watering my balcony plants after this <laughs> yeah what are we talking about today? This was this was sort of an of an um, uh, ill-considered announcement of mine uh, last time when I said we were going to talk about the Mindelbrodersberg, the mountain of the lesser friars, um, because I I like to tell stories in chronological order and now I can't <laughs> because this is the this is the second. Uh, church and convent of the Lesser Friars in Maastricht, and the Lesser Friars being the Franciscans. Okay. So, yeah, so they have they have been here for centuries, and altogether they have had three different churches plus convents here in the city. And the one we are going to talk about tonight is the second one. Okay. And I think I think uh, people will know it as the the building that is uh, atop a slight rise, not actually a berg, <laughs> meaning mountain, but a slight rise, off the Thomas Street, which now houses the board and the administration of the University of Maastricht. Mm. So why why do you know why they're called the uh, Lesser Brothers rather than just the Franciscan? Over the centuries, many many of these uh, monastic orders would have names added to the original one because of uh, yeah the, the history you know stuff happens all the time and there would there would also be well the the the, the general uh, populace would also give certain orders uh, a particular nickname yeah and the the order of the uh, the order of the F- uh, franciscans of course does have a latin name as they all do and that is the ordo fratrum minorum mm. so the order of the lesser brothers so if you if you uh, uh, would if you see the name of an author with OFM behind at the end of the name that means he's a Franciscan father or brother there's there's two varieties there uh, the fathers are ordained priests yeah and the brother the brothers are not uh, so that is the official name the lesser friars yeah but uh, since they were founded by Francis of Assisi Mm-hmm. in the 12th century in the north of Italy in Assisi obviously um, they are pretty much called Franciscans everywhere yeah okay yeah so there's official names and there's nicknames and then in the in the course of the centuries that this that this order uh, exists uh, there have been reform movements and and uh, other 
names would be would be added to these two original ones, and uh, so so there are many more names as well. And it, yeah, it gets very confusing. <laughs> but the, the the main thing to remember about the order of the of the Franciscans, and there is there is more of them that were founded um, in these Middle Ages. Is that they were, uh, and I think I've said this this before. These these were urban orders, okay. so they they were not the monks cultivating the land or building dikes and living in these huge abbeys that yeah. were you know pretty much cities out in the countryside. These were urban orders, and they would take on. Uh, services uh, uh, for a city population, and the Franciscans were were uh, really uh, standing out amongst these by their communal vow of poverty. Of course, when you when you join uh, a monastic order, uh, you have to take vows of of uh, chastity and of poverty and of obedience, yeah. but you do that as a person, and. Uh, the Franciscans were uh, exceptional in the sense that they, as a community, also vowed to be as poor as possible. Okay. So they 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 pretty much uh, begged for their uh, for their upkeep and provided for it themselves to the to the largest extent possible. Yeah. And it, of course, the, uh, things being the way they are, or people being what they are. Quite a few of these uh, monasteries would still would still amass considerable wealth over time, and of course, then there, there would be a reform movement again, saying, "Well, you've drifted away from the principles of our founder, and we have to repent. And we mm. have to." Yeah, I was going to say the building's quite big, so I, I assume that at yeah. some point <laughs> that sort of has shifted along the way yeah. somewhere. Yeah, but also the th the thing to remember here, and that is that is also um, the, this opulence to some extent is is misleading because mm -hmm. what 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 happens, at any rate, uh, 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 definitely for this particular convent is these these uh, brothers uh, put out a call for their uh, colleagues, for other Franciscans in the Low Countries to come and help them. And mm -hmm. so there were uh, a few dozen men camped out in the fields outside the first city wall, and they spent a summer uh, making and baking uh, the stones wow. that th that the building was constructed from. And they had the woodworkers who could cut the beams for the roofs, but uh, also had a gift for uh, making uh, beautiful paneling in the church and wooden statues and choir benches and stuff like that they had one amongst them who made all the paintings yeah. so you know all the they did they did a lot of the work themselves and and of course that is that is beautifully in keeping with an order and a collection of individuals who vowed to be poor yeah i suppose uh modern sensibilities we just take that for granted that they uh, paid someone else to do it yeah. yeah and that that would that would often be the case as mm -hmm. well but but in this case, uh, it was it was their own handiwork. They they made the church and the convent. Yeah. So when did yeah. the uh, Franciscan brothers come to Maastricht then? Uh, pretty early. I am um, I'm casting about for the exact year here. The the founder, Francesco Bernardone, lived from 1182 to 1226. 
So he was the founder. Yeah. And then it it spread over Western Europe very quickly, and within ten years, uh, it reached the Low Countries. And the first the first houses of Franciscans were founded in five towns at the same time in 1228, and they are all now in Belgium. Mm. Leuven, the university city, Diest. Oh no, Sertogenbos is Dutch. Uh, now, of course, not then. Now, mm-hmm. Brussels and Sint-Truide, and it was something like five years later that uh, that they came to Maastricht. Right. And it was they were, we talked about this when we when we uh, discussed the Dinghuis. It was in the 13th century that Maastricht was beginning to be a proper city with yeah. all the functions and characteristics and organizations that that are part of that. And uh, so that that fit right in. Yeah. The the populace the populace was building the wall. The city wall, mm-hmm. as of 1229, and uh, they were uh, they were starting to write down the laws and the rules and regulations for the city, and the uh, the trades were being organised in guilds, and you know all these all these characteristics of medieval city life, mm. and uh, and of course uh, one of the characteristics would be uh, beggar monks or poor monks. Yeah. So. When did the uh, the building that we know now? When did that? When was that constructed? Uh, much later. Okay. Because th- th- this is a story that I will go into in detail when we. <laughs> I'm sorry for messing up the chronology. That w- when we discuss the first Franciscan uh, church, which now houses at RHCL, the regional archive. That was that was built in the in the 13th century also, and it was a it was a. Well, it was doing very well, but at the same time, the 15th and 16th centuries have seen something like the Dutch Revolutionary War. That's not what we call it. We call it the 80 Years War, but it is an uprising of the Low Countries mm-hmm. against the overlord at the time, the King of Spain. Okay. And, the, and the Low Countries eventually split into a northern part which became a republic over time and Protestant and southern lands that uh, remained under the rule of the Spanish king and Catholic and you know with the with the fortunes of war this has shifted back and forth for quite a long time uh, so Maastricht has been uh, beleaguered and sacked and ransacked you know, yeah. uh, looted uh, several times and in in uh, one of these conflagrations, a Franciscan friar was caught up, and as punishment, the entire order was expelled. Okay. Yeah, and then they went then they went to Saint Peter, because a separate, not just a separate village outside the walls of Maastricht, but under a completely different overlord. So you know they might be banned from Maastricht, but they were free to live in Saint Peter, <laughs> and they they did for they did for quite some time until things calmed down again, and they could return to Maastricht, and they they were they were allowed back in towards the end of the of the 17th century. Yeah, I think that's so such a good example of uh, how different things were and how the separations were so um so different from now because as i've said before on the podcast i live in st peter and i don't yeah. feel like i've been banished from maastricht <laughs> no you're not <laughs> you've been annexed yeah 
the old Sint Pietenaren uh, still still resent this. I I, um, I I got I got a sense of that when I lived there. Okay. Uh, about having been about having been gobbled up by the city, you know, that was just they, ah. they, because Sint Pieter is is ancient and it always had been free, you know. So they they don't like this arrangement. Okay. But yeah, there you are. <laughs> so when the the Franciscans returned to Maastricht. That they, uh-huh. that's when the current building was built? Yeah, well that's of, of course at, at first this is this is 1673. Yes. That's that's where we are. Then the then the French king has um, uh, conquered the city again. So this is this is the siege where uh, D'Artagnan died, right? right okay. <laughs> anyway, that, let's not go there. They came back to the city and it was just a handful of men then at at, at that time and they had a they had a look at the at the state of the church and the convent and it was just it was dilapidated and uh, it was in use by all sorts of other uh, people and organizations and yeah well, it was a, it was a mess really mm. and and they weren't getting it back also so they uh, they, they then uh, appealed to the uh, to the rulers of the city uh, come on you know this is not fair we we are supposed to have a to, to get our church and convent back, and that is that is just not possible. You know, it's also going to mean putting orphans out on the street because they're now housed in the convent. And then, okay, from the um, the Dutch overlords, they they uh, were given permission to uh, build a new building. Okay. So that's what they did, and that is and that is that is uh, also this this uh, this is what they when they got people to their yeah colleagues sounds a bit weird, but their fellow brothers. Mm. About fifty of them from from all over, and they just oh. and they just started they started yeah putting clay in molds and baking it in uh, in kilns uh, constructed on the spot until they had enough stones to uh, start building. Yeah. So was that on the same spot then, or is that they? I assume they had to build somewhere else from the original church yes. and convent. So the also the original ones were. The archives is that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So that is that is that is still standing. Yeah. So yeah, they no, they were given a different spot outside the first city yeah. wall. <laughs> I keep track of things in my brain. Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> it is. Of course, it is. It is always in these tales. You're talking about hundreds of years. Yeah. And about organizations that that are there for decade after decade and for buildings that are there for centuries on end and of course all sorts of stuff happens to them yeah so yeah it gets it gets vague <laughs> so so this church and convent of the lesser friars on the Minderbroedersberg yeah was built towards the end of the 17th century and then it was in use as a church and convent for this community for uh, a good century, until, of course, forever the uh, the great uh, eraser of the French Revolution. Mm. Yeah. What what is what is of particular note here is that they that they started on the church first. Mm. So I don't know. They must have they must have been boarding somewhere somewhere else, or they must have they must have just kind of lived in the church. I don't I don't really know, mm. but. Um, it was it was a little later only that they started on the on the convent. Uh, so the place where they where they were going to live and uh, uh, and where they would uh, 
each each one in their own little cell. And uh, and where and where the uh, the service rooms and buildings were, because the, like so many convents, they would they would provide for their own in many ways. So there was a room where the washing was done, and there was a brewery, and they had their own kitchen, and they had a large kitchen garden. Mm. Because uh, this is something we've mentioned before too. Um, outside the uh, the first city wall. Uh, but inside the second city wall, for decades and decades, there was lots and lots of open space. Yeah. So, so all these all these convents would have would have grounds with the buildings as well, and and you know, and the Franciscans also being the type of order that they were, having to be self sufficient and you know living simple lives. They 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 had a they had a large uh, vegetable garden for their yeah. own food. Uh, okay, so I think we're going to have a little break and we'll be back in a couple of minutes uh, to talk some more about the Minderbruder's Bear. <laughs> Very good. Yes. <laughs> back from our little break I think where we left off was the French Revolution was just happening and things were changing for the uh, Minders Brudeberg Brudersberg <laughs> almost <laughs> me, me, the, the plural the plural is on the Bruders not on the Minder so ah, it's the Minder Bruders yes okay <laughs> Very good. Yes, very good. <laughs> uh, yes, as in as in most of, of of these stories about these parts, it is it is always the French Revolution that that sort of makes a clean break with everything that went before. And um, so the 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 revolutionary French army uh, stomped into Maastricht and surrounding area in 1794, and made Maastricht the capital of. Uh, a new uh, département, mm. yeah, department. That is, yeah, you could say that in English, couldn't you? Yeah. Of the Nedermaas, La Muse Inferieure, inferior. mm -hmm. and then of course the, one of the one of the most uh, um, revolutionary things they did as the as the new uh, lords of these regions was to close. Uh, most of the churches and to abolish all the convents and the the chapters like yeah. Silvasas and our sweet ladies. Yeah. So in in the fall of 1796, one of their functionaries uh, came to the lesser friars and said, uh, "I am uh, closing you down, and the state is confiscating all your possessions." Mm. And then the and then this uh, and then the same day an inventory was uh, taken. They didn't manage to do that with the library for a very particular reason, namely that it was one big unsorted heap, <laughs> which is also a bit of a pity because you d you do wonder about everything that 
must have been there, you know. Yeah. But still, in the early in the spring of the next year, the last, the last of the of the uh, inhabitants of the convent, and that at the time that those were thirty three fathers, so mm. monks that had been ordained priests, okay. six brothers, and two people that would simply be housed in in the convent. They mm. they left the buildings, and they just have to find another roof over their heads and have to find another way to provide for their uh, living expenses. So did they move elsewhere once once everything was sort of taken from them or were they allowed to stay in the same place? Well, the, no, as as far as well the 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 material I have in front of me now doesn't mm. doesn't uh, uh, describe where exactly they ended up, except you know, as a as a community, they were dispersed, mm-hmm. and then and then each individual just had to find uh, his own way in this new world. Yeah, you know, I I I don't suppose they would have been left in total destitution because when you read about how uh, the city folk. You know the populace of Maastricht. How they reacted to to these things that were happening to these communities. Mm. Um, it's it's not as if they as if they would be totally left to their own devices. And you no. can you, you can see that because that of course is this is always the same. This is traced in minute detail in the archives. Mm. Not what happened with the people, but what happened with the stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. All the all the possessions of the convent of value uh, were uh, th- those are traceable. We can we can know from the documents where they ended up, and then maybe a, a trail goes dead at a certain moment. But then then a, a unifying theme there is that a general populace would help in all sorts of ways to to uh, collect these pieces uh, pieces of, of, of furniture artworks uh, uh, vestments uh, reliquaries uh, you know all, everything they could they could manage to save they saved yeah. and and they kept it uh, you know hoping for a change of fortunes which of course came very very quickly you know all of this didn't last so very long no well, also, as we've spoken about before, it's not like they were just some separate random people. Uh, they were, no. you know, they're doctors and they're teachers and, you know, a proper, uh, yeah. I imagine, a very vital part of the community. So um, yes. it must have been very hard yeah. to see to see that happen to people that they knew and had grown up with. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and often relatives, of course, as well. So uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we 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 know pretty we know pretty exactly what what happened with with all the stuff from the from the uh, this this convent of the lesser friars and and it it went to private homes. It was it was bought by by parish churches. So St Matthew's, for instance, had uh, gilded stars that had been had been on the ceiling of of yeah. the uh, lesser friar church. Yeah. And then when the when the when the church was was uh, uh, put back to use, the stars were put back too. Wow. And of course, the most the most famous uh, uh, treasure that was carefully carefully guarded 
from the uh, from the possessions of the of the lesser friars was the was the statue of our sweet lady right. that has been that that has been guarded and hidden and kept safe <laughs> uh, all through the centuries and that, that it's the same statue we can still see in the chapel uh, next to our sweet lady's church but that was that was originally it was in the church of the lesser friars wow in the first one even, even. And so what happened, um, when were they allowed back? Uh, um, I imagine after French occupation, when were they allowed uh, back into that space? Well, they weren't. No? Oh. <laughs> no, they weren't. Um, uh, the order was allowed to come back, but then, okay. of course, the building had been put to other... Uh, exactly the same thing has happened with the first one. They lost. Yeah. Oh. So in Dutch, there is this... Yeah. They they had left and the, yeah. and the building was put to another use and when when the order was was allowed to come back, the building was still in use and the people using the building didn't really want to vacate the building so they built a third <laughs> church and <laughs> convent. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah, that no longer exists. Do we know where it was? Yeah yeah yeah, in a in a place that is that is now called the Patersbaan. So yeah, which is. Which, which is very clear. Of course, it it says the uh, the the friars' uh, road more or less. So okay. that's where the third one was, and that is that is uh, also besides the Tongerschestraat. So across, more or less, across from the the archway which uh, leads you onto the grounds of the, I don't know what that is called today, but the, the economic faculty, so the School of Business of the University of Maastricht, okay. it, has this, it has this stone archway mm -hmm. uh, entrance and more or less across from that is, an, more or less, is another stone arch and it leads up, uh, yeah, not a mountain, but uh, you know, the street leading up there behind that stone arch is the Patelsbaan, and that is that is where the third lesser friar church and convent was. But I don't think anything of that remains. Yeah, well, because that, that's not too far from no. The, that's no, almost the almost next door. Yeah. Yeah. That is that is almost next door. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened with the second one then? If okay, it got it got really weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it got really weird because because uh, uh, it has it had existed as a unit for a hundred years, you know, church and convent, yeah. used by the same group of people. Mm -hmm. And uh, after the French Revolution, it it was used for two hundred years separately. Okay. And then basically, the convent was used as a prison, and mm -hmm. the church was used as a court. Okay. So I mean. Separately, but related. So. Yeah, yeah. Those are related. Those are related functions, but they had they. they you know, it's not. It's not as if there was a lot of exchange because, because of course, yeah, the judicial branch and 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 the prison. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, there is a there is a link, but it's not as if the judges uh, share meals with the convicts. <laughs> That's no. not really. So those those buildings were were uh, used and administered and kept up and yeah. remodeled uh, separately and of course completely botched up over time because uh, you know uh, changing population changing rules 
changing ideas about hygiene and mm. about uh, uh, what a penal system should be like and the same of course for the for the judicial uh, functions this the, of course an awful lot changes over time yeah. and the buildings uh, had to try and keep up with all those changes and, and a fixed motive in the entire history is uh, we haven't got enough space, it is not up to date, uh, we need more money, uh, you know. Yeah. So there's nothing, there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. And, and uh, the, the kind of accommodations that we have uh, now in the 21st century are, of course, pretty glorious compared to some of the stuff people in those days had to put up with. But still, you know, the the refrains in the in the in the papers are uh, in the in the paperwork that we still have in the archives is, of course, very comparable. Yeah. So, so was this the main prison then at this stage yeah. for Maastricht? Yeah. What happened? It is obviously not a prison and a courthouse anymore. Uh, (laughs) What are the stages from it uh, being the court and the prison to the university? That is the last chapter in this in this story. Yeah. What we what we're skipping now is the Great Fire of eighteen sixty six. Ah yes. And that's yeah. That's that started as something as something that looked that looked like it was negligible. Yeah. Uh, there was some there was some straw uh, in the attic, mm. but you know they didn't they didn't get enough water to it uh, quickly enough. So yeah. it wasn't just a, it wasn't just the convent that was badly damaged, but the church as well. <laughs> that really should have been avoided. You know that yeah. that would have been avoidable. Mm. And uh, and uh, I don't think there was any loss of life or or anything like that. But what mm. city did lose was uh, thousands and thousands of uh, uh, archival documents. Uh. And the and the founder the founder of the LGOG, the mm. the historian pastor Jos Habets, mm-hmm. uh, he was just he was just utterly disgusted because you know they had been they had been pleading for a better archive for yeah. all these documents and now he was writing we we found we found scorched pieces of uh, paper blown all the way out of the valley to the villages on the on the first ridge please you know carried yeah. carried on the wind yeah well i mean that's uh, sort of reminiscent of was it a couple of years ago in um, Brazil, I think, where a big a yeah. fire just destroyed yeah. the museum there? So yeah. I, it's <laughs> that's yeah. still something that I think is quite yeah. quite topical and a problem for yeah. for big old buildings that are ho- housing a mishmash of all kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we we keep trying, of course. You know, the first the first church of the Lesser Friars now has, I think, three floors of concrete cellars. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> yes, where where the the archives we still manage to keep into the twenty first century are kept pretty safely. Yeah, I think Maastricht's learned its lesson at least. <laughs> One tries, but uh, yeah, this was this was this was bad. Yeah, this was bad, and it's. Um, but yeah, you know, what's gone is gone, and then uh, 
That was just it, and it was everything was sort of repaired, but not not really restored very well. And yeah, and then there was the First World War and the Second World War, and you know, it's it's not as if people's minds were were uh, focused on how do we how do we optimally design and restore these uh, these ancient buildings. And yeah. then after the after this, after the Second World War, it still it still took quite a long time yeah. to uh, to actually start moving. But that's but that happens when the the hospital of Maastricht, the main hospital of Maastricht, mm -hmm. which was then housed in a large building called Sint Annadal, okay, and that yeah. is at the that is at the end of the Annalaan. When yeah. that moved to the new university hospital, and then that building, the former the former hospital, became the courthouse, which it still is today. But anyway, that um, when that became the courthouse, of course they could they could finally, uh, and this was in the middle the middle of the 90s, so 1995 more or less. Yeah. And then and then of course the the the, the old complex in the city. It was just so completely dilapidated and and you know unrecognizable and you know it ha it had been it had been remodeled and refurbished and it was one it was one big maze of of you know uneven floors in the different buildings and of uh, narrow hallways stairways and yeah one one big maze and yeah so the, what 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 the architects did as of 1995 uh, which is when the university bought the building and this has this has been the saving grace of many a monument in Maastricht's historic center yeah. the university stepping in and um, they they wanted they wanted uh, more or less the spatial dimensions of the original building brought back so that was that was that was yeah. more or less the, the 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 main job for the the uh, architects, and they um, they did that. So when you walk into the former church now, get a sense again uh, in this space of uh, a church. Wow. Of course, that that is that is uh, not the case when you just look at the building because the front was replaced much earlier because for a court they didn't think it should have a church front so it has a court front now there yeah. even used to be a, a statue there of uh, lady justice oh but that is no that is no but you can you can see where it must have where it must have stood in the mm. in the, the 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 way the the front of the building is uh, yeah. uh, divided divided up, but it is it is no longer there since it yeah. is uh, the university that, headquarters. Yeah. It definitely doesn't look churchy. If <laughs> no. if you're um if you're on the hunt for um the old church, it it could easily pass you by compared to a lot of the other buildings, which do look quite uh -huh. church-like. <laughs> But that, but obviously that's why that they've, yeah, they've courtified yeah. it. They courtified it. Yes, that's <laughs> a beautiful choice of words, Katrina. Yes, but if you if you walk inside, which you which you can do uh, yeah. quite often, of course it is the it is the administration building of the university, but there's also a hall there where lectures of Studium Generale and where promotions and other public uh, events take place. So mm -hmm. you know you you can walk into it. And the space feels church-like because of okay. the because of the pillars and because of the of the of the arching ceilings. So it the, the, there is still a whiff of church in there. Yeah. <laughs> a whiff. Yeah. 
I uh, a whiff. I think the yeah. the tall ceilings as well. I think it gives it an air of a whiff. <laughs> but as I said, the lecture hall is used yeah, for yeah. public functions as well, so it uh, you can go there. Yeah. And uh, Studium Generale will have will have uh, interesting speakers. Uh, almost never on anything in the humanities, which is weird, but um, they will have on all kinds of other subjects as well. And, and uh, that will also at times uh, include uh, European studies and, uh, mm. you know, gen general uh, international politics and stuff like that. So it is... Yeah. Um, yeah, depend, depending on your on your preferences, of course. But they it is it is very often a very interesting program. Of course, right at the moment, none of that is valid. But uh, yeah. Yeah, and is that in usually in English or in Dutch? It varies. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is of. It is often in English. Yes. Well, thank you for listening to the podcast. I just wanted to remind you all that we have. Uh, a lot of uh, photographs and some a little extra information on the website as well. We have a web page for each episode of uh, the history portion of the podcast, not for the Ask a Local segment. Uh, and if you want to, you can also watch uh, the YouTube video, which is the same audio as the normal podcast with a little bit of a slideshow of some relevant photos, which is quite fun to watch. What do you know uh, or is it a surprise what we're going to be talking about next week, Lucy? No, I did. I did give it a moment's thought this time. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought I would go on with another now university building, which has mm. a long history serving other purposes, albeit not so many as uh, the former convent we just talked about, and that is the Hof van Tilly. Mm. So the uh, the court of Tilly, and that is that is now the it now houses uh, Fasos, so the Faculty oh. of Arts and Lo and uh, Social Sciences at the at the top of the Grote Gracht. Yeah. Ah. So that for the next time. Yeah, well, we will look forward to it. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you later this week about uh, another Ask a Local question. Uh, in the meantime, stay safe and stay sane, and look after yourselves. Thank you so much for joining us today and don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook by searching Meet Maastricht and on Instagram at at meet underscore Maastricht. If you would like to learn more about us, you can also visit our website at meetmaastricht.eu where you can buy tickets and subscribe to our monthly newsletter so you're always up to date. Thanks again and tune in next time to learn more about our beautiful city. Tot ziens.